Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. All right, Logan, uh, we did the coordinator rankings, uh, offensive and defensive. We're not going to rank head coaches, which I think probably surprises people because we spend more airtime on the head coaches than we do the coordinators, uh, I would say, in mainstream media. I don't know if that's necessarily true on this podcast. I think we probably talk coordinators more than anybody that I've ever heard. Um, but there's a reason for that, right? When you talk about the X's and O's of what actually happens in a game, which is where we spend a, a, an inordinate amount of time compared to a lot of people who talk about football, that's that's who's making those decisions. But I do think it's worth talking about like what makes a good head coach and, and the impact they do have uh, on the course of a season. And obviously you played for a bunch of different guys in your career and saw different styles, different inputs, guys who were super involved, guys that were not very involved in terms of the details day in, day out. So to you, like what makes a good head coach and, and you know, what are things that you think head coaches miss at the NFL level? Yeah. So I think, you know, obviously like they're a CEO, basically like, like kind of in a traditional form, right? They basically like, if you are a good head coach, You've done a great job hiring a good offensive coordinator and a good DC. And what I mean by that, it's not just X's and O's. You have strong personalities there, right? You have a, you've done a good job hiring a good offensive line coach, a good strength coach, because those guys really are going to be your culture builders for your organization. Now, I think there's an, there's exceptions to every rule. Like Dan Quinn, when he was the head coach, he was a guy that was the culture builder and was really good at that but had Kyle as his X's and O's guys. And he really heavily oversaw the defense, right? So like from an X's and O's standpoint, he had two kind of stalwart stalwarts at the position that allowed him to focus on that. So I think it's about really first and foremost is making good hires, right? right? And so like we just talked about the coordinators at nauseum, like when you are a good head coach, you are good at evaluating talent. You're good at developing talent in the case of like Philadelphia, for example, like if you're a good head coach, you've had a system in place. So you say, We're going to win football games. We have to know how to replace these guys when they leave. So I think that's part of it. And I think, you know, it's interesting. You know, when we started this, this, this talk, one of the things that stuck out to me is like, obviously when I got in the the CEO model was way more prevalent than it is now. Cause now you get guys like Kyle who are basically like the OC, you know, and the head coach. And they, and so the way they mitigate that is they have really good people under them from a staff standpoint that allow them to kind of handle the administrative elements, but also be on that side of the football. I think when you look around the division, you get Dayball who's helping out at offense, you get Mike McCarthy who's helping out at offense and you get Shane Steichen 
who's helping out on offense. And I do think on some level that that model might be becoming more effective than the CEO model. And what I mean by that is that it just keeps that coach in the fight a little bit more because a lot of times when they become the head coach, there's so many other things to worry about. You lose the minutia, you lose the X's and O's, you lose the detail. We talked about how important that detail is. So, you know, with regards to like the head coaches in the division, I think it's no accident that a lot of them are from the offensive side of the football. And a lot of them are still helping kind of on that side of the ball, kind of, you know, maximize yeah. that position group. So, yeah. Um, Sirianni, obviously in Philly, yeah, uh, Syken yeah. now in, in Indy, but same, same concept, uh, for both of them, they will, they will be involved on their side of the ball. Um, yeah, I, I think the other thing too, along those lines is like, that's why you got hired in the first place. Like yeah. Kyle, Kyle Shanahan didn't get hired because he was going to be an awesome CEO and everyone yeah. knew it. He got hired because he's the best offensive mind in the sport. Right. And so if you, and I think I talked with Sean about this and, uh, when he was here and, you know, it was looking to the future and, you know, it definitely has been a topic of conversation amongst these coaches. It's like, if I'm as good at this as everyone says I am and the results say I am, why would I stop doing it? Right. Hey, the, be the best asset I have, if I'm Kyle Shanahan is my ability to scheme and call plays. So now that I'm in charge, I'm going to not do that. Right. Like that's just dumb. And so um, it does involve hiring, whether it's a chief of staff or like an assistant head coach or like some other person to take care of some of the things that you will not have time to do that like a Ron Rivera perhaps might. Um, but there, there's no rules that says it has to be done a certain way. And to me, like that's, that's what makes a good head coach is in some ways it's the same. Like, are you detail oriented? Do you understand your strengths? Do you know yes. how to cover for your weaknesses? Yeah. It's just what that is, is different when you're a schematic type of person in a schematic role um, versus kind of an overseer. I think the biggest thing for a head coach that's, and there's two big things that are different as a head coach. One is understanding the locker room and like personnel management on a human level, mm -hmm. right? And this is where Rivera is notoriously good, mm -hmm. um, where he understands his locker room and, and who needs to be pushed and who needs to be cuddled and, you know, are things getting out of hand? Do I let the players take care of this? That That's where he's kind of made his hay over the course of years and why I think a lot of players have had a lot of respect for how he handles business. The other thing is where Rivera, I think, has struggled, to be frank, which is game management. Like mm. someone's got to call the timeout. Someone's got to do the challenges. Someone's got to kind of have a feel of when to put the foot down on the gas and when to, when to park the bus. Like those game managements around time score and situation that ultimately come down to someone making a decision are most often made by the head coach. And that can win or lose you games. You can do all the other stuff, make great hires, have, mm. a, have those coordinators have a good game plan. You can have the right people in place. And if you make the wrong decision in the heat of the battle, you can blow the game. And that is that to me is like the last part of it. And that's really, really hard to kind of practice. I mean, frankly, Belichick's been bad at that at times in his career yeah. of when to when to go forward on fourth down, for instance. And it's becoming, I would say, a little bit easier with some of the analytics because you can kind of follow them and generally be right. Um, but as, as I remember having a conversation with Sean about, you know, the analytics might say to go for it on fourth down. And this obviously when he was here, not in LA where now he coaches Aaron Donald, but if I'm on my backup, if it's fourth and one and the analytics say to go for it, but my left guard is out and Aaron Donald's on the other side, the 70 or 60% is not the same 70 or 60% right. that it would be if I had my starter and that wasn't Aaron Donald. And so those that decision-making ability in-game is kind of the last piece that's really hard to judge uh, for head coaches. And frankly, it's hard to practice because 
you know, when does that come up in practice? Everything's scripted. You, you have to be in the game to do it and learn from those experiences and hope um, you're learning from doing it right and not not from a bunch of mistakes because otherwise you won't have that long of a leash to make more. I agree. And I think, you know, I think the challenge thing is probably overblown a little bit like this. I, I, I totally agree with the fourth down thing. I totally agree with that. That is becoming so, so critical in today's NFL, like stealing possessions, finding ways to maximize that stuff. Um, I think that's, you know, the, the end of game management timeouts, probably more important also yeah. in terms of clock. Which management. to me, that goes into the challenge stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, if you blow a timeout because you did, you know, you listen to a player who was adamant about something that he was wrong about, as opposed to going through your process or having a good process in place. And you all of a sudden you're end of game and you don't have that timeout. Like your challenge, yeah. your challenge really screwed you up. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, the only reason I bring that up is because I think like people don't understand, like when you're on the sideline, like you are just, you're waiting for the TV angle. And it's like, does the TV mm -hmm. angle capture something that the player who came off the sideline said, I caught it, I caught it, I caught it. Does it capture that? And so like you're negotiating something in real time that I got, you know, I don't love that like as a metric for coaches, but the other stuff I totally agree with. I think end of game management, fourth down decisions, that type of stuff is huge. And so what I, I will say this is like, you know, Ron has not been, according to you, I don't do enough research on this to know for a fact whether it's good or bad compared to the rest of the league. So I'll defer to you on this. But um, what I will say is that one of the things I love about the EB hire for Ron is that it fills in this, this gap that he's had, right? Like he's got two guys now that allow him to do what he's excellent at. And I think that is so, so valuable. So instead of kind of having to micromanage Scott like he did last year, he, has, he doesn't have to worry about EB. EB's going to do what EB does. He is such a good leader and has such a good vision for the offense. It allows him to kind of maybe invest more time into some of the stuff we're talking about. And that's like when you are the head coach in that CEO capacity, that culture building capacity, you need to make sure you've got two guys there that let you do what you are good at. And I think now mm -hmm. he's got that. And so, you know, I think maybe, I don't know for sure, but I think maybe there's an improvement in that area for Ron. And I think, you know, like, it's so funny. Like, I think you look at McCarthy in Dallas. I think that offense is going to struggle because he hasn't called plays in a while, right? And, like, you lose a little bit of that frostiness. And you, we mentioned the sounding board with, with um, Schottenheimer, how that's going to be really hard mm -hmm. for him, right? But then you look at Dayball, Kafka, that great relationship there. Wink, who is going to handle that defense emphatically, right? He could be a head coach. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the kind of leader that you got there. And then yeah. I think you look at Philly and – um, Sirianni's in a tough spot because he's got two young guys there. So how charismatic, how do they handle their stuff? How much oversight is he, he going to need to provide? And does that detract from his ability to make those excellent fourth down decisions and excellent end of game management type stuff because he's more worried about other stuff. So I, that's why, that's why I think the coordinator hires are so, so important because you got like, one of the things I love about Sean when he went to LA is he knew he was going to be helping on the offensive side of the football. He was going to be the offensive coordinator, basically. So he hired Wade Phillips. He hired Wade Phillips. Like, and so that just, I don't need to worry about that at all. Like Wade's going to handle that. I can maybe right. step in on a meeting if I want to learn something, but those hires are so important. And that's one of the reasons, another reason why I'm so excited about this EB thing, because that's a dude who's ready to be a head coach and he's just handling one side of the football for you. So now I don't need to worry about the offense. Jack's got the defense. I can worry about culture and then the stuff I got to worry about. So that's why I think that coordinator hiring and that decision is so important. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast 
podcast. Going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, Ron, I asked Ron about that uh, during the spring and he I was like, so what do you what do you do now, basically? And he's like, one of the things that I haven't been able to do as much that I'm really looking forward to is mentoring some of our younger coaches mm. and like coaching our coaches. Right. And so that's going to make everybody better because right. now all of a sudden how you treat those coaches infiltrates or you know filters down into how they coach their position that raises them it raises those players um so that's a really good thing and i think it's something that they've struggled with here because he has not had these like young bright coaches that are future head coaches on staff and part of that is a lack of development from the coaches now he's got eb who we think is a future head coach but like tavita pritchard is is ron going to be able to work with him and help uh mold him into a future head coach. So I think that's, um, that's something I'm excited to see this year and, and check in with Ron a couple of times perhaps and see how all of that is going. Last thing I'll ask you about the head coaching position is this, how does it change when it's a young, or I should say, I shouldn't say young versus old inexperienced, uh, versus experience and specifically in one place, right? Like someone who is a first year head coach in a place and is trying to build the culture and establish things versus someone say in Rivera's spot, where you're four years in, you have your people in place, you have your systems, you know where everything is, and you are much more in a management role because you've had a chance to set some of the things in place that a first-year head coach is still setting. Yeah, I think I think the interesting thing about an old, a kind of an established coach versus a new coach is that there's a novelty to a new coach that gets that keeps it exciting and keeps it fresh. So, as an older coach or as someone who's been around for a while, like how do you keep it? How do you keep it? relevant how do you keep the guys dialed in how do you keep the team focused i think those are things yes engaging thank you um i think that to me is the biggest thing like because when i'd go to places like i you know i was on four teams my last four years in the nfl and you'd come like the bears are a good example fox had been there for three or four years you could tell everyone in the building you know players wise was kind of like they didn't dislike fox but they his message had kind of run thin you know it had been the same thing for three years there had been no change and it felt kind of stale, you know, and um, and I think like that's something that can be really challenging is how do you keep it? How do you keep how do you keep motivating guys, you know, and like Bel- Belichick does that through fear, you know, just absolute terror. And that's one way to do it. Um, your job or you're out of here. Yeah. Um, Pete Carroll does it by, you know, having a fun, competitive kind of gamified work environment. So there's different ways to get it done and there's no right or wrong way. Uh, but what is that way for you? And I think. Um, you know, with Rivera, I think bringing in EB and bringing in that big personality is something that keeps it very, very spicy. It brings up the level of competition on the offense, but it also makes practice a little bit spicier because like, I think Ron said this during OTAs and I totally agree with this. Like your offense kind of sets the tempo for you, you know? And so like, if your offense is flat, your defense is going to be flat. But if your right. offense is up and the, and I think, you know, going to practice, like people are going to kind of adopt that personality of EB. It's like, they're going to talk a little bit of smack. They're going to be yelling. They're going to be loud. They're going to be detailed. They're going to be competitive. That's going to bring the defense up a little bit. And that is where, that's what makes a good football team. So I think, um, I think Ron, you know, having been around for a while has kept it, it with this hire. That's why this hire is so important. Like, you know, we talk about the X's and O's, but from a culture standpoint, from a Ron standpoint, it's so important. So um, I think that's one way to do it. And when you're young, everything is new. 
you're exciting, you're fresh. It's the new flavor of ice cream. Everyone's excited to be around. Everyone's a little bit nervous about keeping their job. Everyone's worried about the change. But I think that kind of, it, it inspires some type of motivation in a different way. So um, I think those are kind of the two challenges as I see them from my experience playing. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, that's Logan Paulson, 10 years in the NFL. I'm Craig Hoffman, uh, of course, covered the league uh, for almost that long at this point. Uh, yeah, five of them as a, a beat reporter. I know I'm getting old. It happens to the best of us. Happens to all of us. Uh, so uh, if, if you like if you like what you just heard uh, from that experience and, and how we, we speak about it and how we apply it to today's game uh, and you're new to the show, subscribe. Uh, that can be on Apple Podcasts, can be on Spotify if you're watching on youtube uh and then if you're watching on youtube make sure you hit that like button as well so other people know like hey this is this is good you should watch you should watch this here uh and then we'll, we'll do it again twice next week uh, we got some really cool stuff planned uh so make sure you stay tuned uh, we'll be tweeting out about it once it, it's all locked down but we're working on a couple of things got a couple of irons in the fire as they say uh so we'll see you next week right back here on take command until then have a wonderful rest of your week and weekend